Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. I am your host, Jeff Young, and I'm so excited that you're here. This is great. It's a Friday. Friday. We always, you know, I, I do a radio segment on Friday mornings for Catholic Community Radio in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, and the way that they approach it is it's Friday, so everybody's thinking about the weekend, what we're going to do, you know, if weekends can be like you know, family time, and what are we going to cook? And that's always a, a fun discussion uh, on Friday mornings for me. So I'm I'm kind of in that mode today. This is uh, we're about to to embark on the weekend, and weekends uh, are family time. It's family time for us. This is the Catholic Foodie Show. Uh, thank you so much for for listening, uh, Jeff Young, your host, and uh, the Catholic Foodie. I've been uh, doing this thing called the Catholic Foodie since 2008, and the whole point behind it is um, well, I like to say it's where food meets faith, and my whole role here is simply to inspire and encourage you to get into the kitchen and to get around the table. And why is that? Because food really does bring people together. Food brings us together. We can look back in scripture and see, um, you know, God formed after the fall, after the fall in the Garden of Eden, you know, sin enters the world. And what happens? There's this division. Is it is a division, a breaking up of a relationship between mankind and, and God, but also between Adam and Eve. There's strife. There's division. And uh, what does God do right after the fall? He promises that he's going to restore the relationship. He's going to restore Adam and Eve uh, with each other and then restore uh, both of them with, with himself. And uh, we see him throughout the Old Testament, the story of salvation history, where he is bringing us uh closer and closer to himself. He's creating for himself a family, and he does this by a series of covenants. And an interesting thing is that every covenant was, uh, each covenant culminated in a covenantal meal. And it was a shared meal where the people shared that meal. And of course, there was sacrifice that was made to God as well. So God shared in that meal too. And we see this uh, perfectly in the story of the Exodus. And so for me, I look at food. I mean, I'm a cook. I I love to cook. I love to eat good food. I appreciate good food. But the odd thing is, it's not really about the food. (laughs) The food is simply a means to get us to what? To what's really most important, which is the relationship, the relationship with each other and our relationship with God. I'm very happy today uh, to have a special guest with me, uh, you know, going back, let's see, it was probably in the fall, and I, I'm terrible with dates, you know. A lot of times I refer to something that happened uh, years ago as as happening just the other day. <laughs> and so I can't be, you can't rely on me as far as dates go, but I think it was it was in the fall, probably around November or so. I had a friend of mine, Colleen Mitchell, who is with her husband and children, they, they're, they're missionaries. They, they, uh, they live, uh, I believe at the moment right now in Costa Rica, and they, they have a, um, a mission that they do. They're lay people. They're Catholic, but they, they are full-time missionaries in the mission field. It's pretty amazing. And, and Colleen is a writer as well and a blogger, and she contacted me and said, hey, have you seen this yet? There's a new blog that is bringing together food and faith, and I think it'd be perfect for you. You need to check it out. And it was called gracetable.org, and uh, I, I took a gander, and I was blown away. It was a brand new website, a brand new venture uh, with multiple bloggers, 
And I said, man, I've got to talk to these people. I've got to reach out. Uh, they're doing good work. It's beautiful, a beautiful site, very appealing, which is important. You know, when you're trying to, to invite people in, you want to have something there that's appealing. And so I reached out. And uh, this, this wonderful woman by the name of Chris Camille uh, got back in touch with me. And uh, since then, we have talked online many times. I actually had her on one of my radio shows in New Orleans. Uh, back in the fall to talk about Grace Table, and uh, she is joining us here today. Chris, I'm so excited to have you with us. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to get to talk to you again. Well, you know, what is Grace Table? I know that you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, some people who may be listening right now may have never heard of it. So what is Grace Table and what is it all about? Yeah, um, Grace Table is a contributor site. So I have, um, I think we're at 17 writers right now. And um, it's really just a space for people to share their stories about what it looks like to practice biblical hospitality. And so they're telling stories about um, what it is to love uh, your neighbor, to love strangers, because um, the translation in uh, Romans I want to say 12, 13, when Paul is talking about hospitality, is actually extending love to strangers. And um, that's really hard to do. And so at Grace Table, we're just sharing the stories of what that looks like in our life, how we do it well, how we maybe don't do it well, opportunities where we um, find we can extend hospitality or what it's like to be on the receiving end of hospitality. And some of our posts include recipes. But it's really just people who love food, who love Jesus, and who want to talk about how we should um, practice community and commitment in this world. And one of the terms, you know, you talk about hospitality. I think this is, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've, I've seen this on gracetable.org, or it may have just been in our conversations before, but this concept of radical hospitality. Mm-hmm. What, what was what would that yeah. say to us? What is what is radical hospitality versus just any regular hospitality? I think it's you know we're doing a series right now in particular called Hospitality Without Borders, and when I think of radical hospitality, I think of that um, willingness to cross the boundaries that are either um, sometimes they're geographical, sometimes they're socioeconomic, um, but there's all kinds of boundaries that we put up around ourselves to kind of protect ourselves from um, how we interact with other people. Maybe, you know, extending hospitality to someone um, who is a stranger, sometimes that's easy, and for some people that is easier than it is for others. But sometimes it's really hard, especially if that person, um, you know, puts you off in some way or is, you know, makes you uncomfortable or um, doesn't fit into your specific box of people that you like to hang out with. But we use Christ as the model, and he extended radical hospitality to people that um, most people would have said that he had no business associating himself with. But he did it because he loved people and he loved them. And so when I think of radical hospitality, I think of really honestly trying to extend the same love for others that Christ extends for all of us, including the people who um, are less than... Um, I don't know, less than perfect or, you know, rub us the wrong way or whatever that boundary is that we have for ourselves. Um, it's, it's being willing to go over that and say, it's more important that I love you or treat you in a way that honors the Lord than it is for me to protect myself with this boundary. Right. And that's tough. I mean, that could be really tough. Oh, it's so hard. I know yeah. that um, thinking about 
hospitality in that context. You know, I think back to uh, Mother Teresa. I, I actually spent uh, two years in formation with her um, group of, of priests, her order of priests uh, in Mexico. I lived in Mexico for two years. And I was young. I was 18 when I left home and I joined uh, the, the community there. And uh, and we experienced hospitality in a lot of different ways. Um, it, it, and it was it was such a, an incredible uh, time of my life where I grew – in faith, I grew in relationship. I grew in, in maturity. I grew in, in um, uh, uh, spirituality. It, but you know, the thing about Mother Teresa, on the one hand, the world watched this woman who who lived the gospel. I mean, picking up people in the streets, and and just to not necessarily to heal them, uh, but at least to to do her little part, which had, for a lot of these folks was simply to give them. A, a dignified place and a dignified way to die because they were so bad off. And, uh, and people would criticize her because, you know, she should have given them more medical attention or she should have done X, Y, and Z or whatever. And her, her whole stance was she's not a, she wasn't a social worker. I mean, she was just simply a person trying to love and trying to, to, to give someone dignity. But People loved her and, and they felt um, emboldened by her. And, and some folks would go so far as wanting to go to India to help her, to, to do whatever. And, and sometimes she would say uh, – they would say, well, what can, what can we do? You know, We want to help. We want world peace. We want peace in the world. What can we do? And she would look at them and say, you want world peace? Go home and love your family. And, and one of the messages I recall from her just so clearly is the fact that the – the Jesus, right? Because her whole thing is loving Jesus and seeing Jesus in the distressing disguise of the poorest of the poor. And when she would visit the United States, she would say that the United States was the poorest country she'd ever seen because the poverty was one of spirit and the poverty was one of relationship, of family. She would say, you know, you want, you want peace, go home and love your family. You know, love the people that are there in that, in that same house with you because that's the hard part. You know, I think a lot of folks could uh, could imagine, you know, going to India and you you kind of help serve, you know, those people over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when the when the when you have a hard time loving the people in your own house, you know that that that's a problem. So I don't know. Is uh, how do you see? I mean, how do you maybe how you how do you experience hospitality in your own family? How does that work? I know you have uh, small children. You've got uh, what four children at home. How do you experience uh, family, I mean, uh, hospitality just daily in, in your own life? Yeah, I love that you brought that up about Mother Teresa and her saying to go home and love your family because that's something we've been talking about, too, at Grace Table is that sometimes the people who are hardest to love are those who are right under your nose. <laughs> and it seems, you know, it seems ridiculous on one level because you think, you know, you're flesh and blood, you're, you're part of that, that special unit. It should come naturally to love them you know, easier than a stranger, but sometimes it really doesn't. And um, as a parent, you know, it's a, it's a particular challenge sometimes to love your um, children well who, um, you know, they don't always behave the way you want them to and they don't always um, do the things you want them to do. And if anything, I've seen in my own children, they often mirror um, the particular qualities about myself that I find, you know, distasteful there that I don't like. I see that in my children. And that actually is, even harder sometimes to to overcome that and say, oh, wow, because it's that conviction of like, oh, yeah, that's in you, you know, <laughs> like that's what you do. So it's that extra challenge. But I don't, you know, I think it's a continual process of just 
making the decision to love them. Gotcha. You know, love is a, it's not a feeling, it's an action. And so it's a decision to serve and honor them and love them, not just because you have to, but because you need to and you want to. That's right. And we're going to take a break. We'll be right back here on Catholic, Catholic, Catholic Foodie Show. Real And I have to tell you, folks, I am so excited about being here on Real Life Radio. You know, realliferadio.com uh, is where you can find uh, information on all the different programming that we have. Uh, Real Life Radio is also in the middle of a, uh, a campaign that we just started to raise funds. Why? Because Real Life Radio is you supported and uh, we need you. This is what we're here for. Uh, we have, you can go to uh, realliferadio.com for more information. We also have a GoFundMe campaign going right now uh, to help us fund some uh, necessary updates that we need to do, some upgrading to the the app that we uh, we have that delivers all of our content. And that's uh, you can find that at GoFundMe.com slash Real Life Appeal. And that's a, a neat little play on words there, app, peel, right, appeal. Uh, GoFundMe.com slash real life appeal uh check it out and uh real life radio is you supported we're here today talking with chris camille of gracetable.org chris you also have a website your own website which is chris camille.com is that correct yes and uh, you are a writer a, a blogger an author uh before the break we were talking about uh, hospitality we we're talking about radical hospitality and i'd asked a question about you know, what about hospitality in your own family and, and loving the kids and that, that we have and our spouses? You know, because life is, uh, well, life isn't easy and life is very busy. And sometimes uh, we have a difficult time really connecting and really loving the people that we live with in our own houses. And can you tell me in your own, in your own experience, in your own life, because I mean, you are – uh, someone who loves to cook. You are, you you have this uh, this website that that uh, you're part of Grace Table. Are there ways that we can grow in hospitality or, or reach out and love in a way in our family dynamic around the table? Can the table be in a way a um, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, I can't think of it. it it's something that to to kind of a catalyst, that's the word, a catalyst mm -hmm. in a way to really bring us together and to help us to make that, that connection with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think the table is um, critical, actually, for the family in particular. I mean, the table is, is you know, it's, it's a place where everybody gathers, whether you're meeting with friends or whatever, but within your own home, I feel like the table is critical. And statistically, it's proven so that you know, kids who grow up in a home where they eat at least, I don't know, like two meals a day as a family um, tend to fare better socially and um, emotionally and things like that than children who grow up in a home where everyone eats on their own in different spaces. Even if the, um, the parents are still together, but they don't, if the family doesn't eat together, it is proven that those kids um, have other issues that kids who tend to eat around the table with their family for meals don't have. And so as parents, I feel like we have such an opportunity to love our children well, to love our families well, our husbands and everything at the table where we can have a meal together, where we can have conversation 
and have a time of connectivity. I think everybody in our culture, for the most part, is so scattered. We have, you know, 800 things going on at once. We're spinning a bunch of plates. Kids have, you know, a litany of activities after school. And everybody's just kind of going their own way. And the table offers, I feel like, kind of a haven where everyone can just kind of come back together at the end of the day and have a meal and kind of talk about their day or um, deal with some some things that maybe have come up during the day if your kids go off to school all day. You know, there's seven hours of their life that you don't have any clue what has gone on. You know, but you can you can have those conversations at the table and ask them, what is what is your day like? What happened today? What are you learning? What are your friends up to? And just to, I think the more you learn about each other, which is, I mean, the table is such a fun place to do it because food is involved. That's right. <laughs> but the more you can, you know, you can just connect on a deeper level with your own family. It's so important. It is, you know, and I, I can't help um, in, in my approach to this as the, you know, the Catholic foodie. Yeah, I, I look back at, at Scripture and I look back at the Old Testament in particular, and I kind of see that, uh, I mean, this is how God made us. You know, He made us for communion. He made us for relationship. That That's what we, that's, that's that, that as St. Augustine wrote way back in, I think, that the 300s that, you know, we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, you know, and it's, it's not going to be, or, or this hole in our hearts can't be filled with anything but God. And uh, we're restless until we rest in you is what he, what he wrote. And, but it's, it's, um, there's a reason why we call God our Father. You know, he doesn't call us in isolation. He calls us together because we are made uh, for communion. And when you look back in the Old Testament and see uh, the, the covenant meals I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, the practice of uh, the, the, the Israelites and how God directed them, especially you look at the, the Exodus and that, that special, that commemorative meal where God actually told them, this is what you do. <laughs> And it's going to be an eternal memorial. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And uh, because it's important and because God, in a way, as our creator, right, God has the instruction book. He knows what we need. He knows what's best for us. And coming together around the table is so vitally important. And I think, unfortunately, in our busy culture and our culture, which now is full of gadgets and devices, um, it, it's getting to be more and more difficult to really get around the table. It's not just a time issue anymore. Now it's an attention issue that, you know, <laughs> we may have the time, we may make the time to get around the table, but now so-and-so's got an iPhone and, you know, somebody else with their, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like a Game Game Boy or whatever they, those mm-hmm. things are called now, you know, or the TV's on in the background. And so we miss the point. The point is to make that that connection. And it's just so vitally important because, as you said, I mean, that's – God made us this way. We need to, uh, to, to, to reach out and to make that connection. So one thing that, uh, that I know that we do in our house, and I don't know if this is something that also takes place in, in your home or, or can be used by, by folks as a, as a bridge, as a way to uh, make the meal special – to make it a little extra special is we always try to um, encapsulate it with prayer, right? Like bookends. Mm. We start the meal with prayer. We try to acknowledge that the blessings that we have at table really come from God. They're not, they're not really just because I go to work every day, right? They really do come from God. Okay. And then we, we finish the meal trying to, to thank God for those gifts too. Is that, is that part of your daily experience as well? 
Yes, we um, we start our meals with prayer, and we actually we don't end them in prayer. But I do. I love that. That is something to consider. Absolutely adding because we do start with a prayer, and um, we kind of use a traditional um, Lutheran dinner time prayer because we go to a Lutheran church, and my husband's background is Lutheran. So we recite this this little prayer and add. You know, people sometimes have a, a little addendum they want to add to the prayer, and so they'll add their little and. and please pray for, you know, please watch over so-and-so or, um, you know, somebody's having surgery or somebody's sick. So we do, we absolutely include the prayer. And I really, um, I think it's important for the kids too, to understand that the, the blessings that we have, the, the food that covers the table, the home over their, over their heads at the table, it all comes from the Lord. And if we forget to acknowledge that, or we fail to acknowledge that, you know, it's, it's just, it's, vitally important to remember where it all comes from in the first place. Right. And I think that something as easy as simple, I should say, something as simple as that prayer of blessing or a prayer of thanksgiving before or after a meal is a wonderful way to try to instill in children the fact that that God does provide. I mean, we live in America where our hero as a culture is the self-made man or woman, right? It's, it's the, the person who pulls himself up by the bootstraps and, and gets it done. And so we have mm-hmm. that tendency to think that it's all us. Um, but as I get older, <laughs> mm-hmm. I start to realize, you know, I'm, I'm not really as great as I used to think I was. Um, and, and, and God is really at work in ways that I never, never saw when I was younger. And uh, it, it's an important thing. It's an important virtue, I think, that gratitude to, uh, to instill in our, in our children. And that's one of the things, you know, about uh, gracetable.org that I, I love. You have a lot of themes there that, um, that really speak, I think, to our culture and to what, what we need to keep in mind, what we need to remember. Uh, just going through right now, looking at a couple of the, uh, you know, hospitality. We've kind of talked about hospitality. Um, there's a, a recent post um, with an unbound heart talking about being free uh, when bread gives life. Um, good news if you're afraid to meet people. Hospitality Without Borders, which is an ongoing uh, series that you have right now. Uh, unexpected Hospitality. I'm just going through and, and, and looking at some of these uh, themes, I guess, or really titles of, of posts, but there are themes there. And then uh, this one, encourage them to linger longer. And that's mm. one thing as we were talking a minute ago, you were talking about being around the table. I, I was thinking about that, that, that term to linger around the table. Everything's moving so fast. We, we, you know, there's never, we always have some place to be. And a lot of times, if you're me, at least you're always five minutes late, at least. Um, but to linger around the table, um, tell us about that. How do we linger? Yeah, that is, it's such an important thing. Cause I agree. We're, we live a fast paced life. I mean, I, I don't know how many times a week I'm telling my own children, hurry, 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 we gotta go. Or, you know, we gotta be here. We gotta be there. And even just the concept of lingering, it sometimes it feels like, please, who has time for that? You know, <laughs> there's no time for lingering here. But, um, you know, and, and we'll probably have I to carry know. this one. We have to we have to go to a break. So we're going to have to talk about lingering when we come back because, you know, we're busy. We got to go to a break. <laughs> yeah, we got to go. <laughs> so we're going to have uh, a quick break right here. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a Welcome back 
video. Jeff Young, your host. And before the break, um, I had to, we had to go to a break. We we're in a hurry. We had some place to be, you know. But my guest today is Chris Camille from uh, chriscamille.com and also gracetable.org. And uh, Chris, we're talking about lingering at table. You know, we're, the, the whole thrust, I guess, of the conversation is how we need to really connect with each other and, and how hospitality plays into that. And uh, I had asked you a question before the break about uh, how do we do this? How do we linger at table? What, what, what are some ways that we could do this to really connect with our family? Yeah, I think um, primarily the best way to do it is really you have to kind of create um, the space in your home to do it. And I mean space and as far as schedules, as far as, um, you know, the best you can with timing. I think, you know, not overscheduling kids into activities so that you're, you're not forced to always be on the go and so that there is time to linger. Um, I think it's really just something you have to be very intentional about because if you're not you're just going to get steamrolled by everybody's um, agenda because it's just the way it is. You know, we have stuff going on. If you have more than one child, like I do with four, and you have more than one, you know, everybody may not be in the same activity at the same time. And so it can become a real um, juggling act of trying to figure out when can you even have time to sit down together. But I think you just have to create that buffer in your schedule. I know families that have um, done things that I don't know if I would necessarily do this, but I know one, they had children who were in dance and who were in horseback riding. They were in all these different things. And then they came together as a family and they said, you know what? Everybody's going every which way. I think we need to pull back. We need to find something that we want to do together as a family. And they all took up running, which I don't know that, you know, I would necessarily do that, but it brought them together and it gave them a shared activity and they no longer were doing all these different things. They had this thing that they did together. And that was a way that they just created a space for them to spend more time together. And now they weren't necessarily around the table because they're running, but I, I, I got the heart of what she was doing and what they were doing as a family. And I thought it was beautiful because I think our tendency is to do the opposite is to put everybody in their, in their thing that they want to do and that doesn't, there's no time for lingering when you do that. So I think it just has to be an intentional act of creating space for it. Right. And there's value too, isn't there? If, if, a, if a family can only do it, you know, a few days a week or, or even on the weekends. And I know that, uh, well, your children, uh, we had talked during the break, your children are younger. How old are your children? They are five, seven, nine, and 11. That's awesome. Awesome. And, and I remember those times when, when my, my children were younger and it's like, it's easier to keep them roped in, right? It's easier to keep them. Mm -hmm. And, and even the activities, they don't last as long and they're not as late, but once they get into the teenage years, like mine now are 13, 14 and 15, it's a whole new ball game. And so I'm, I'm looking at, okay, how do we do this again? <laughs> we still mm -hmm. we have, we have some flexibility in our schedule to where we can eat just about every night we're eating together. Um, but for those families who can't, there's still value if you can only do it on Mondays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays or Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Saturday, Sunday or whatever, to do it as often as possible. I think that would be the the best thing to do. Absolutely. And it doesn't even, you know, who cares what meal it is? You know, it could even be an afternoon snack or something. It could be, I think it really, all of that stuff is really doesn't matter. What matters is that you just make the space to sit down together. You know, we have a, um, 
after my kids have a little quiet time in the day, we have a kind of a tea time where they get to have a little something sweet and we kind of come out and have that together. And even something like that is a simple thing. It's not even a full meal, but it's just an opportunity for everybody to come together and they're all having something special. And those little things, even if you do it only on Sunday evenings or whenever you have time, it, I don't think it matters what it looks like exactly. It's just that you do it. Right. You know, it, I recently, I say recently, it, it, again, I have no concept of time. So it, it could have mm-hmm. been two years ago, 10 years ago, who knows. But I recall uh, seeing something, and I, I can't even remember now if I had read this or, or actually heard it. But the gist of it was that relationships, you know, we, we have this tendency, I think, sometimes it's subconsciously to think that, um, what do you call it? Quality time, right? This quantity versus mm. quality. And we have a tendency, I think, in our culture to think, oh, well, if we spend quality time, if we focus on it, it's going to happen. But it doesn't really work that way. That that in reality, relationship happens when you're doing something else, right? When you just sit there and focus on each other, there's not a whole lot going on. But when you're doing something else together, that's when relationship happens. And so quantity time is important, you know, quality is good, but but we need quantity time. And I think that's, for me at least, when I'm looking at things like, you know, eating a meal and, and, and spending time at the table, it's really about that. It's, it's about giving ourselves enough time to maybe decompress from everything else that's going on in our lives and to really connect. And that, that is uh, a challenge today. But, but we have lots of great resources like gracetable.com, I mean, .org, um, to, to help us, Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there was uh, another – I want to change the, the topic just a little bit. I want to kind of take this as a, a little detour here for a moment because you and I had talked before, and I, I found this to be such a, a treat. And it does play a part. It does kind of dovetail here with with uh, hospitality, and that is an organization that you're associated with called uh, Compassion International. Can you tell us what that's about? Yeah, Compassion's motto is uh, setting children free from poverty in Jesus' name. And I'm an advocate for them. And actually, in January, had the um, honor of traveling with them to the Dominican to blog um, about the experience of being on a sponsor tour. And um, it's, it was life-changing, of course. I mean, I can't imagine it would be otherwise. But it really was. And Compassion is a child sponsorship program primarily and so you can sponsor a child it's $38 a month and when you do that you build a relationship with that child that child gets letters from you and they will send you letters and there's no one else um, doing that so if you have a child that you sponsor you're their point of contact and it is it is amazing hearing the stories when we were in the Dominican hearing from the sponsored kids and how much those letters changed their life. I mean, it literally altered their life. And, you know, we think it's not a big deal. It's just a little letter. But to those kids, it's everything to know that someone is praying for them, someone cares about them, and that someone is sharing Christ's love with them. And so it absolutely is a form of hospitality and such a, um, a fantastic way to, to connect with people outside of your culture and outside of your uh, general scope. Um, I can't say enough good things about compassion. You know, I first uh, I was first introduced to Compassion um, a few years ago. It was at a, a Matt Marr concert. Uh, he was mm-hmm. performing at, and I'm going to forget the name of it. It's uh, uh, I believe it was uh, 
oh, now I'm going to totally forget which denomination, but it was not a Catholic church. It was a, a another church uh, not too far from where we live. And we were able to go. And I mean, I love his music. I mean, this man is just uh, amazing uh, to me. And, and it, it always le- his music just leads me into prayer so well and so easily. And I love that. But part of the package, part of the night was he was speaking on behalf of Compassion International. And my wife and I both were very moved by that. And we, we signed up and, and started to sponsor a child there that, that night. And uh, subsequently, we have some friends in the area who um, approached us and said, hey, we want to sponsor more children and we want to have some families kind of get together and pool together to sponsor uh, some more children. So we sponsored two more along with some other families too. And the neat thing about that is that we, we pray for these children every meal. And we, we do a, a rote prayer as well, a memorized prayer, bless us, O Lord, and these I give uh, prayer uh, at every meal. And at the end of that, we pray for people by name. And these three children are prayed for every day, at least twice a day, because breakfast sometimes is on our own, but lunch and dinner, every day they're prayed for twice a day. It's pretty neat, you know? And mm-hmm. it, it's really good to, to feel like we're part of something where it's not just sending money off somewhere and hopefully it's helping somebody, but Jesus is really a part of it. And they, they, they talk about Jesus and focus on Jesus. And that, that to me was what was so unique about Compassion International. Yeah, they're unapologetic about it, which is beautiful because, um, you know, there's a lot of child sponsorship ministries out there. There's a lot of different ministries, but Compassion really um, emphasizes Christ. And I think that that is what definitely what drew me to their, their ministry and caused me to become an advocate. And we also sponsor four children as a family. They're in different countries, and we basically sponsor one for each of our kids. And our children write to them, and we get their letters. And it's a highlight of my kids' day when they get a letter from Guatemala or Rwanda or wherever, you know, the Philippines. And I know from meeting the children I met in the Dominican that it is a highlight of their day when they get their letters. It is such a big deal. And having seen that up close and having um, the interaction with those kids when I was over there, it just makes me all the more um, impassioned about supporting compassion and trying to participate in any way that I can because I have seen the, the impact that it truly has. Yeah, that, that trip sounds like it was amazing. Um, you were like right there interacting with uh, the people on the street, so to speak. Yeah, they, we took us, uh, they took us to a couple of different compassion centers. We met with the, um, the children of one particular center, and you know they hosted meals for us. Talk about hospitality. Their hospitality towards us was unbelievable, and it was so beautiful to experience um, the generosity of people who really have nothing. I mean, they live on, I think it's like $3 a day, wow. um, which is like, we can't even do that here. That's, that's just hard to even fathom. And so to experience their generosity, um, was really just very humbling and, um, inspiring to see how much people who have almost nothing are willing to give and share because of Christ, because they have such a love for the Lord and such a love for God's people. That is, it's really, it is beautiful and it is humbling. I, I experienced that uh, when I was in, in Mexico living there. And I mean, we, we lived in a very poor area uh, where 
the houses would have, I would equate the houses. They were like, uh, like clubhouses that I would have built with my friends with scrap wood when I was a kid, you know, that's what they, they lived in. And, uh, so it, it was a total, it was a culture shock, but the, the, the joy of the people, uh, was really amazing to me. And, um, I don't know, it was, it just, it, it, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I know we, we need to take another break here. Uh, so we will come back in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Catholic foodie show here on real life radio. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm your host, Jeff Young. So happy today to be speaking with Chris Camille again, who is an author, a blogger, uh, a mom, <laughs> someone who is in love with Jesus. It's just it's awesome. Awesome. And uh, Chris, you know, we were talking, we talked today so far about hospitality. We've talked about Compassion International. We talked about how, I mean, the amazing thing of, of really experiencing hospitality in, uh, in a very poor country, which was you know, something that I experienced too when I lived in Mexico, people who had so little but were so happy to have an opportunity to share what they had with me. And uh, what a shock to my system. It was a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to see and, and, and gave me, a, I guess, a new perspective as I came back to the United States and, and went on with my life um, of, of being able to see and recognize hospitality and try, try as best I can to, uh, to practice it myself. Now uh, we were talking during the break. You know, you you have uh, a lot that that's going on. You are you are a mom, and that I'm sure keeps you very busy. But part of your uh, your ministry is this this uh, this thing called writing. It's, it's um, blogging and writing. How does that factor into uh, to your life? And yeah, I know you have a book that that's out. Can you tell us a little bit about your life and and writing? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting balance trying to uh, to juggle it all. This has been something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and um, but I know God has specifically called me to writing. It's been something that's been a passion of mine since I was a child, and so um, it's a it's a joy and an absolute honor to write about things pertaining to the kingdom and write about the Lord because I am passionate about Christ, and um, how could I not be? His sacrifice is everything. So I just enjoy and appreciate the opportunity to share about it whenever I can. I, I blog a little bit less these days with my work at Grace Table because um, it takes a lot of work to set up editorial calendars and, <laughs> and juggle 18 writers and whatnot, oh, yeah. more than I uh, imagined. But, you know, I write kind of in the fringe hours. I get up very early or sometimes stay up late to write. Um, it's, it's just kind of catch as catch can right now. So. And uh, you have a, a book that's out and an accompanying workbook. Um, can you tell us about that? Yeah, that came out, I want to say, a couple of years ago now. I'm, I'm terrible with time, too. I appreciate you, you know, saying that about yourself because I, I always think it was last week when it was really, you know, four years ago. It's right. pathetic. But um, it, I think it's been a couple of years now. And uh, really, that book was written. It's called Holy, 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 spelled differently each holy. And... Um, it was really a book, it just came out of obedience. The Lord had done a really intense uh, refining work in my own heart and in my life. And uh, when I kind of came through that, I just felt like he said, you need to, this is a story for other people because you're not the only one 
who goes through this. And I just thought, oh, really? I have to share this kind of heart, <laughs> you know, <laughs> this heart work that's sort of ugly but beautiful at the same time because of his work. But um, he just assured me that, yes, I was indeed uh, called to share it. And the response over the last couple of years has been really beautiful and just totally humbling to see the way people have been able to connect with the words and the work. And I, that's just the Lord, because it's certainly not anything that um, I produced. It's really just what he did in me. And it's just a telling of that. And because it is a story about being refined, anybody who um, has faith in the Lord and has walked with uh, the Lord for some time has probably experienced that kind of refining of their of their views, their values, just where their heart is, where their focus is. And it's that's a challenging place to be, but there's so much hope in that. And that's what I really hope that people take away from it when they read it, is that as hard as it is, it is beautiful because a life that is realigned by God for His purposes is uh, dramatically different from when we just try to do it all on our own. Right. Right. And, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you talk about it being um, humbling and kind of like dreading it almost at first about, oh, I've got to share that. Oh, but isn't that the way it works? I mean, we're really impressed and touched at the heart level by weakness and failure and the hardship when it's been redeemed. You know, I, I liken it to, I used to love this. I, I remember my, my mom doing this when I was a kid. You know, if we, for di- at different times of, of that period of my life, uh, my mom would have a maid come to help clean the house. Well, she would go around and clean the house before the maid got there, you know? And I used to always say, wait a minute, wait, this makes no sense at all, you know? But I think a lot of times we have that image of, of God. Like, I've got to go get myself all prettied up. And, and, and perfect before I present myself before God. And it's like, wait a second, that's, that's what Jesus came for. <laughs> that, that's his job. He's the one who, right. who, who takes care of saving us, right? Our, our job is simply to, to, to come before God, to, to, to allow him to work in our lives. And we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to, to get all cleaned up. That's, that's really what Jesus is all about. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So what, what does St. Paul say? St. Paul says that he will, will glory in hardship, right? And glory in, in faith. Mm. Because that's where, that's when uh, uh, the, the power of God, the grace of God really shines through. And that's hard. It's hard, I think, for us to swallow sometimes because we are, I mean, I know I am, uh, you know, prideful. And so we want it to be perfect and we want uh, our lives to, we want to tell, talk about our, our successes in life, right? And it doesn't always work that way. So maybe, maybe, you know, trying to bring this around again, maybe uh, there's something there about hospitality of being able to, to be broken. And, uh, and it's in that brokenness that we really are able to be open to other people, uh, really are able to open up not only to those who are strangers, which is, is certainly something that we need to do, but, but also open up to the person who, um, I don't know, makes a, the funny clicking noise who's in our family and lives in our house and we don't like the noise or, or has right. some other kind of nervous habit that, you know, um, drives us crazy. But you know what? Uh, Jesus is, is there and we need to be open. 
So beautiful, beautiful story. It, you know, I, I'm so happy that I was able to have you on the show today. Uh, we still have a few minutes. And um, uh, is there anything that you want to wrap up with as far as uh, hospitality or, you know, we got about five minutes left. I'd love to talk about any, you know, hospitality or perhaps compassion, any, any story from, from your time there. Yeah, I think um, on the hospitality front, I know that, um, well, I would love to just kind of say that we accept guest posts on Fridays. We do guest posts. So we have our 18 writers, but then every Friday we feature a different story by somebody who's not necessarily part of the Grace Table team. And um, that's one of the ways we like to extend hospitality to other writers out there and other storytellers. They're just people who have an experience um, related to hospitality that they feel compelled to share. So... Um, you know, if anybody out there has something that they feel like they would love to share, they can always um, find our contact information on gracetable.org. And I would love um, to hear some stories from the community out there, the greater community, because um, I think that there's such power in sharing those stories. And, you know, it's a fine balance, I feel like, between, um, you know, we don't want to ever sound like we're tooting our horn about how we're doing so many great things to serve others or whatever, but there's so much encouragement in hearing the stories of others that I think it's really important that we continue to share those and from all different walks of life and different people. We love the variety at Grace Table. And I can imagine, I mean, I, I love the website. I love the, the, the design is, is beautiful, this beautiful look at, but also that the content. And as I mentioned earlier, it's like you're touching on these I don't want to say sensitive. That's that's not the right word, but, but vital. Like I think vital themes uh, for us today. And I mean, what has the reaction been in general? Just people. I mean, any any um, anything you want to share about that? Yeah, it's been very positive. We launched in November. It's hard to believe it's already been as long as it has. But um, from the day from the day we launched, we have had nothing but really positive um, feedback, and it's been such an honor to watch that and it's really just God, you know, that's just a testimony of what the Lord has done because I feel like Grace Table was his idea, not really mine. And um so watching how he chooses to use that space to draw people into the conversation. I get emails behind the scenes from people who have said, you know, this this article in particular or that article in particular really encouraged me to do this or to um we had a woman who wrote in who has a child with severe disabilities who's an adult but she's cared for him, you know, his whole life. And she was just talking about the struggle of that. And we did a series on quiet hospitality a couple months ago, and it really encouraged and spoke to her. And hearing that from people is so awesome because it just shows you the power of those stories and how people are hungry for that. They need to hear that it is possible to to do these kind of hard um, acts of loving others. And there's other people trying to do it with you, so you're not alone in it. That's right. That's right. And uh, it, that is such a uh, – you're right. I think people are hungry, and, and we really do need – we need uh, – well, God is the one who needs us. Mm. God chooses to need us um, to, to help spread that word. We're co, co-collaborators or, or, or co-workers with God in that, and that's what ministry is all about, being able to spread the word, being able to uh, to reach out and to touch someone in a way that um, if it wasn't for me, they may not have been – reached, if that makes sense. And we all have a unique story in a unique way. And Chris, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today and for, for being on the show and, and sharing your story and sharing the, the grace that, uh, that is Grace Table. Thank you so much. Well, 
thank you so much for having me. It's been a treat. And people can find you at gracetable.org and where else? At chriscamilli.com and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram all under my own name. So very easy to find. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, you know, we're almost here at the end of the show. I want to thank you uh, for, for listening. Thank you for being here. You know, this is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. And uh, I want to remind you once again about the GoFundMe campaign that we have going on right now, the Real Life App. Uh, I want to say App Appeal, but it's Real Life Appeal, right, uh, for, for some necessary upgrades to our uh, app. Uh, you can go to GoFundMe.com slash Real Life Appeal for more information on that, or oh, just go over to RealLifeRadio.com. Uh, again, I am Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio, and I'm so glad that you spent this time with us today. And we'll see you Monday. Have a good weekend. <laughs>